Welcome to the Mile High Podcast. We are your guides through sordid tales of pop culture, drugs, and saying the word fuck a lot. Our show is best experienced under the influence of cannabis. So now is your cue to light up. Now remember, drugs are dangerous, so please don't hurt yourself or your loved ones. But do subscribe. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody, welcome. Everybody, it is uh, July 11th, and it is 216 years to date from when Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr had a duel, and it is the last show of the season, so, uh, or at least before we go to summer break, so I figured, David, I figured, hey, why the hell not talk about Hamilton? So that's what you're here for. This is uh, the My Life Podcast, and with me as always... My buddy Dave. Dave, how are you doing? What's, what's up, man? Did you forget the name of the show there, Snow? You know what? I'm doing the Facebook Live thing, and it's it got me really distracted. And so, yeah, for a minute there, I was going to call it, like, lots of different things. I don't even know <laughs> where I was going with that. So I'm glad I did what I did. Uh, and Zoom. Perfect. All right. But uh, And with us, besides Dave, is my lovely wife, Melody. Melody. Who was Nancy for the whole first year of us? And uh, those of you who don't know, uh, we have Heather. Dave's lovely wife is here as well. Heather, thank you so much. It's a couple show tonight. It's very exciting. Very I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Clearly, we all don't like each other because we're <laughs> sitting in our own rooms. But you know, it's quarantine. We have limited options. We got to do what we have to do. <laughs> so. Yeah, like I said, this is the last show of the season before we go into summer break, and it is. It's uh, 216 years. Dave pointed this out to me like literally an hour ago uh, from the actual duel of Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr, and Disney Plus just released Hamilton. So that's pretty much why we're doing this right now. Plus, Dave's obsessed with Hamilton. It's not just me. I'm not alone in this. Sure, only Dave. Dave, Dave is the only one obsessed with Hamilton. That's why tickets uh, are six hundred dollars a seat. Right, no, all because of Dave. Dave, you're holding it, holding it back. Um, those I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the end of the show. Wait till we get to the actual Hamilton part, and then I'll gush all over. There you go. Um, so, those of you that are watching on multiple different platforms, I know we're broadcasting on the Nerd Corner, on Big Bag Studios, on Back to the Future page. For some reason, uh, we're we're broadcasting on James and the Giant Country, and we're broadcasting on Santori, who usually shows up on the show. Uh, he's not here today. But if you want to be part of the conversation, because we're kind of technically advanced, but we haven't figured out how to narrow it all down, if you want to actually speak with us, you need to watch us live streaming on the Mile High podcast page, because that is the one that Dave and I are watching. So... <laughs> All the rest of them, you can leave all the comments you want and have your own discussions, but we will not be involved with you on that because... No, that's, that that's way too, too much work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with that, we're going to start off like we always do. Uh, what have we been up to? And since I have never had Heather as a guest on my show, I'm thinking Heather to start off with. Heather, what have you been up to? What do you want to share with the group? 
I've been up to a lot. I'm a very exciting person. I have a very exciting life. Um, I just don't want to make you guys jealous with all the things I've been doing. Um, so I'll keep it simple. Um, I've been baking a lot. That's one of my passions. Um, and I've been working a lot because that's life. Um, yeah, things are good. Baking is great. I, I can't eat all the things that I enjoy out of baking, but I, I enjoy uh, eating baked goods. We had a big dinner for our anniversary yesterday. We had a nine course dinner. It was insane. Yes. We ate for like five hours. It was a lot. Like, yeah. I am still stuffed. And then I ate Cuban sandwiches today. So like it, it was straight out of a movie. Like our whole family surprised us and they were like serving staff because we can't go out to eat right now. And so they were like waiting staff and they had a table in the backyard with candles. Like one of our kids serenaded us with the song I walked down the aisle to on my wedding day. <laughs> that is very so cool. sweet. Yeah, it was straight out of a Disney movie. Loved it. Thank God for James's mom because she's just amazing. My mom's cool too if she's watching this. Mom, I love you just as much, I swear. It was just yeah. a nice surprise. <laughs> but your mom doesn't love you as much as James's mom does because she makes nine course dinners and everything. Well, my mom right. heard that and showed up here today with Cuban sandwiches and, and had, had her husband install my new microwave for me. So, you know, keep the competition. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, that answers what Mel and I have enough to Dave, yeah. anything exciting to report from since last week? Oh, since last week? No, really. I've been uh, writing a lot. I have a new book coming out uh, probably in the next three weeks. And so I am going through that. And uh, that's pretty much it, man. I... Nice. Want to wish you guys a happy anniversary, man! Fifteen years. Thank you. Thank yeah. you guys. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was. It's 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 fun. It's fun, and we have to like each other because, like I said, we're stuck in quarantine. Um, I'd like to say hello to my buddy Mike Santori. I'd like both of my. I got two juggle people who have already shown up, which is why I wear a once a skipper, always a skipper shirt. Uh, Santori is watching, and so is my friend Chris Brennan. Chris, I know you've been working, and if you're watching and you're in the chat room right now. Uh, we're about we're going to talk in a minute about Disneyland reopening. I know you work some cast previews. I'm not sure if you work today. You seem to be working everywhere by your constant change of clothing. So if you want to just like throw something in the chat room about what you feel about Disney World reopening, and I will talk about it on here. That'd be cool. If you've already stopped watching, then whatever. Mike, make something up, and I'll read what you say off the thing. Second question that we like to talk about all the time is what are we smoking? And I'm going to go first this time because I have it right with me. I am smoking Limoncello, nope, Lemon OG from Livewell. That was me reading, and I got, <laughs> I got what it is wrong. So, but it's good. We have a Livewell finally down the street from us, now near the airport off of Tower Boulevard. For the longest time, we were trapped with only having uh, natural selections. Native roots. Native, Native roots. roots. That was the closest thing. Two similar oh, places. Down there now. Yeah. Thanks, Santori, for the anniversary wishes. Um, yeah, so we have the Livewell down there now, which is really cool. So we're trying some new weed from there. And since I know Armel's got her weed, I'm going to skip over to Dave. Dave, what are we smoking? All right, once again, we're going with Rocky Road tonight, and we're doing some White Fire Alien. There you go. Yeah. Like you go. the How are you smoking? I pre-gamed. Um, Dave told me the name of it so that I could sound professional and I don't remember it. So Dave is great. Lavender Jones from Lightshade on Iliff and Buckley. <laughs> exactly Jones. it. Nice. Nice. I like the name of Lavender Jones. Me too. That sounds like an Eddie Murphy character. 
Well, Wi-Fi or Alien is perfect for my kind of personality. There you go. And you can get your own weed now. No more parents buying your No weed. more mom and dad having to buy my weed, which is super embarrassing when you're 41 years old. Right. Uh, Mel, are you smoking the Lemon OG too? I'm not, because I noticed that you grabbed the Lemon OG from the bag. So I am smoking Durban Kush, number one. I don't know. For some reason, the closer I put it, the worse it is. Yeah, it's magic. You just disappeared. You just wiped your face away. Yeah, well, anyway, it's pretty good. It's it's a sativa. And the staff there, I was the one who went to the Live Well, which I very rarely am the one who goes to the store. So that was cool. But the staff there is really friendly. They have a huge waiting room. It's unfortunate timing because they don't really need a huge waiting room right now. But should things ever go back to normal, um, they have plenty of like big seats and they text you when you're ready. So you don't have to wait inside. It, it's, it's a nice setup. And they yeah, it's, it's a lot like, I thought it was a lot like the, uh, one I went to in Vegas, which Vegas dispensaries are freaking awesome. Vegas does dispensaries really, really but they're ridiculous. Well. Like expensive. Their weed's way expensive. too expensive. Um, and then, of course, what are we watching? And I'm going to throw this one out to Mel because I'm starting with everybody else. Mel, what are you watching? I don't think I'm watching anything new. I'm watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is an older show, but it's hilarious. I really, I didn't understand what it was. I'd seen, like, you know, commercials for it before. And I'm watching, I think that's it right now. What we do in the shadows. Oh, that's right. I did start What We Do in Shadows. It's hilarious. I'm really loving that show. And I am almost done with season one of Shrill. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I started a new crazy. job this week. It's been, a, it's been a busy week. Yeah. I don't know if I, I can't, I can't think of anything else that we watched outside of that. Oh, we're watching the, mm, uh, the dark. golden, the EAR guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the one about I'll be gone in the dark. Yeah. Hey, is the uh, lady that that's about dead? Because somebody told me. Yes, she. Yeah. So her story was that she was so impacted by the story of uh, this killer, and she put a lot of time and effort into researching her book, and she started having sleep problems. And so one night she took sleeping pills, and they reacted poorly with her medication, and she died overnight. Oh, that's yeah. Terrible. She's a Patton Oswalt's former wife. Okay, so yeah, they were divorced. tragic story. No, no, no they were married. Oh, he just, found her. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, oh. he found her. Um, but the book is amazing. If you guys haven't read it, it's an incredible book. Okay. See, and that's definitely something that we're gonna have to check out. And that's one of the things that we end up talking about is the Hamilton aspect. It comes from a book too. It's a completely different story. Uh, Dave, Heather, what are you guys watching? Heather, I will go to you because I always have the longest answer, so I'll go last. Um, we're not really watching anything new. I mean, Dave watches stuff by himself, um, but we're still watching Schitt's Creek, and we're still so trying to finish Upload. Um, I think we have one episode left of Schitt's Creek that's available on Netflix, so we're almost caught up, so that's exciting. Nice. I honestly am not watching anything on my own. The thing that I like, the content that I watch the most by myself is my favorite pastry chef has a baking club that she does on Instagram Live um, every day at noon. And her oh, name cool. is Christina Tosi. Um, so she does the Christina Tosi Bake Club every day. And I'm super digging that. Heather is a card carrying member of the Christina Tosi Bake Club. 
I am, Very and cool. it's in nice. my wallet because Dave threatened to throw it away if I didn't take it off the kitchen counter. <laughs> that's awesome. That, yeah, that's like having YouTube things that uh, there are certain uh, YouTube things that I watch on uh, a regular basis because you because you find those niches. You think in a whole world like so much media, it's neat to find Oops. little things like that. So that's cool. That's cool on Instagram. Okay. Dave, All right. what are you watching? So, because of COVID, uh, a lot of these movies that were destined for the theaters have suddenly had to find in a streaming home to come out. And one of those movies was a World War II naval drama written by Tom Hanks called Greyhound that went straight to Apple. And so I watched that last night, and it was really good. Really, really very good. Uh, I love World War II movies, and it was a very tense movie from the very beginning. Uh, and it was just a fun, really tense movie. So, Greyhound. And where is that on? Is it on Netflix? It's on Apple Plus. Apple. Okay. Is it Apple Plus? I don't know. Apple TV. Apple TV. Whatever. Yeah. I've, I've tried to watch some things on Apple. I haven't paid for it. And I pay for a lot of things. I pay for HBO Max. So that's because I can watch Doctor Who. So the only reason why we have Apple, there's a good story behind that. So the only reason we have it is because Heather answered a survey at work and she won an iPad. And with that iPad came Apple TV. And hence, now we have Apple TV. Nice. Nice. That's really cool. Have you yeah, guys no, watched uh, that we... Central Park? Isn't that Apple TV? It no. is, but we haven't watched it. Yeah, I watched uh, The Morning Show with Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon on Apple, and that was phenomenal. Hmm. I, that was one of the reasons I wanted to look at it. But yeah, that Central Park, that's the one that is done by the guys who did Bob's Burgers, and I know you guys like Bob's Burgers. We do love Bob's Those Burgers. just in that same world and everything. Did you guys so, ever finish Space Force? No. We haven't even made it to the second episode. So, it gets better. So the first episode's pretty hokey, but then uh, it, it definitely does get better. And it ends up being a, a really pretty funny show by the end of the season. I so think by episode it. four, it really hits its stride. <laughs> yeah, I'd say okay. that's, a, that's good. That's the whole thing that was really, like the first episode was so much not as funny as it should have been. You know, I was expecting it to be funny, and I found the first episode rather disappointing. And so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm excited to check out a little, a little bit more of that, but it's also like secondary to me on things I need to get completed. So there's a lot of, but as I, as I, the, in the dark, things I do in the, no, what am I thinking of? What we do in the yeah, dark. Yeah, what we do in the dark. The what we do in shadows. That's been really funny. That's been really funny. Has it inspired yeah. you to go back and watch the movie yet? Because the movie's great. Um, I mean, the movie is funnier than the show is, and the show is very funny. I would have watched the movie first, but I can't find it on any streaming platform. And so that is the only reason that uh, we're, we're doing it this way. Yeah, that's right. If you find it, definitely, if you come across it, definitely check that out. It's a really good one. It's really funny. So before we go into Hamilton, um, what I want to do is actually – so we're going to do, we have a James's game, but really, as I looked it up, you run into about the same nine or 10 questions. So we're going to play a James's game, but it's going to be a little different. I'm going to have to tell you guys to do something new that I haven't had you do before. And Heather, you've never played a James's game. So 
What I'm going to ask you guys to do is if you look at the bottom of your Zoom screen, there's going to be a place where you can pull up chat. Chat. Got I need, it. I, I need you guys to pull up chat, and I need you to change your individual messaging. Instead of to everyone, it needs to be directly to me. Okay. okay? We're going to have, we have nine questions. So I think you're all going to do really good. These are the base. These nine questions are the ones that the, you look up trivia about Hamilton, especially the play. These are the ones that you run across to almost all the time. So we're only going to keep points if you lose. It's a, it's a multiple choice question. Okay, so I'm going to give you A, B, and C, or D answer. You guys are going to enter it. The reason I'm having you enter it and not say it is so I can see the answers and you can't cheat off of anybody else. All right? So we're going to play the game first. We're going to do it early because it's not a long game. Like, sometimes I get these guys, Heather, into like 60 – like question things about obscure British bands from like the nineteen like 1970s and shit. So I wanted to make it, I wanted to kind of condense this one because I was going to go super obscure and ask like things that have nothing to do with the play and like, you know, was Hamilton left-handed or right-handed? But I, I decided that was not where I was going to go. What was the so, name of Hamilton's horse? Right. right. Um, so with that, uh, everybody understand the rules? Everybody understand how this chat thing is going to work? All right. It is a pretty complicated well, rules for a stoner show. I know. I, I can't I really know. follow along. I almost actually even put down like uh, an outline to let people know how to do it. Uh, Corey is looking for his points from last time, but I think Corey's in the chat room now. So you Corey, you are third. Even we gave you all the points. You're still third to me. Right. <laughs> how does that make you feel? You lost to me. All right, here we go. Question number one for James's game. Where was Alexander Hamilton born? Was it A, Puerto Rico, B, Nevis Island, C, Philadelphia, or D, the Florida Keys? All right, I got Dave, Heather, and Melody's answer. I still try to call you Nancy. Um, I got all of your answers. The correct answer is B, it is Nevis Island. Everyone does not get a point. So, because points are bad. This is golf. All right. <laughs> Number two. Which of the following versions of U.S. currency has Alexander Hamilton never appeared on? Is it A, the $100 bill? B, the $2 bill? C, the $20 bill? Or D, the $1,000 bill. Which one has Alexander Hamilton never appeared on? Okay, I got it. That's a tough one. That was good. Yeah. Oh, learned something today. One. So, uh, unfortunately, one person gets the point, and that is Heather. It was not the $20 bill. Alexander Hamilton has never appeared on the $100 bill. He has been on the 2, the 5, the 20, the 50, and the 1,000. But he's never been on the $100 bill. I've never seen a $1,000 bill. I've seen him in movies. So, one point to Heather. You said points are bad or good? I'm sorry. Points are bad. Points are bad. bad. Golf. We're playing golf. So, you and Mel are at zero. Heather is at one. Number three, which of the following did Alexander Hamilton 
helped create? Was it A, the United States Revenue Cutter Service, B, the United States Postal Service, C, the United States Marines, or D, the Department of Defense? But you're, no, I got it. Okay. I think. If I got this wrong, it's because I heard you wrong. No. <laughs> okay. And another point goes out, but this one is to Dave. Lame. Lame. Hamilton did not, in fact, make the United States Postal Service, but he did make the United States Revenue Cutting Cutter Service, which is the USRCS. It's basically the the pre-Coast Guard. So right now, uh, Dave and Heather have one point. Mel, you're at zero. You were you were in the lead three questions in. So that's not bad. Only six questions to go. Let's see how that stays. Number four. What was the name of the infamous location where Alexander Hamilton dueled? with Aaron Burr? Was it A, the OK Corral? <laughs> B, the Delay Plaza? C, Weehawken? Or D, Ford's Theater? And everyone got it correct. It was Weehawken. That one's kind of tricky because like, if you know anything about history, all the other three, you know where those, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they could have made up stupid. That was, they say everything out. is legal in New Jersey. Right. I want to give a quick shout out. We got uh, a few people showing up in the uh, the chat room. We got uh, our old buddy, Chris Pace. Uh, we got Travis from Rangeview, if you haven't, if you remember Travis from Rangeview. And we got uh, Mr. Rob Robert in the house. And he is, nice. uh, also loves war movies, just like I do. So nice. This is not a war movie. Well, it's kind of a war movie. We'll discuss yeah. this in a war movie. It's a it's a war act. There's an entire war act, or at least half an act about a war. Uh, welcome, guys. Welcome. We're gonna get into. Uh, we're playing James's game right now. Melody's winning. Dave and Heather are, uh, each tied with one. Yeah, they're 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 we're gonna lose. We're seconds. gonna lose together. Right. <laughs> so That's sweet. a true relationship. That's how it works. All right. Here's a question. This will be interesting because it's about Hamilton to a degree. Number five, where and when did the first recorded duel in America take place? A, 1608 in Jamestown, Virginia. B, 1804 in Weehawken, New Jersey. C, 1775 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Or D, 1621 in Plymouth, Massachusetts. What was that again? Plymouth what? Massachusetts. God, man, I was, I got that. I didn't I even, that was, I didn't I even point it out didn't. this time. So this is a running joke in, in our family is that I actually make James say that in conversation randomly. But I realize it's mean because he has <laughs> so I wasn't going to call it out on the show. So thank you, Dave. <laughs> I just thought you were a really uh, I didn't know. No, it's an eight. No, no. 
it's just this one word. It's okay. I can't say Lynn Manuel's last name right for some reason. And it's a word I know I can say. You can't say, say it without right. sounding drunk, at least. Yeah. I always say Mariah. Now I got answers from. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. Um, um, uh, ah, I, oh, well, too late. Is that your answer? Yeah. Okay. I don't want to. So. All right. Uh, Heather and Mel both get a point. So Heather's at two, Mel's at one. Mel and Dave are tied. It was not 1608 in Jamestown, Virginia. It was 1621 in Plymouth, New England. Yeah. Yeah. Dave and Heather, Dave, Heather has two points. Dave and Mel have one point apiece. And we are on question six. There are three more answers. Anyone can truly win this game, but two of you can definitely lose it. Question number six. After Hamilton passed away, did dueling decline or increase in popularity? This is basically a true or false question. So A, increased in popularity, or B, decreased in popularity. Well, this answer depends on are Americans this, pretty much the same as they were back then, as they are now? How much faith do you have in humanity from 300 years ago? That's exactly what I was thinking. Well, Mel, you have the wrong vision of humanity. I gave Mel us the benefit of the doubt. You did give us the benefit of the doubt, but it was not true. Mel and Heather each have two points now. Dave has one point. Good it job, increased in popularity. <laughs> Probably because they all saw the commercial for milk. Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr. So, Dave. It's so funny that you said that, dude, because that's all I knew of Aaron Burr before Hamilton came out was that peanut butter commercial. That's all everybody knew who killed Alexander Hamilton was the, was that commercial, you know? Oh, I know who did that. Aaron Burr, you felt like you sounded smart, but it's just pop culture osmosis that's happening at that time. Dave is leading us, and we have seven, eight, nine. We have three questions left. I know I said that last time, but I was wrong because I was reading the six questions, so we technically have four questions left. This time, I am right. You said there's um, going to be any math involved. I know. Well, it's math for me, no math for you guys. You guys are good. Um, number seven, where are the Hamilton Bird dueling pistols stored today? Is it A, the Hamilton National Museum in New York City, B, the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C., C, the J.P. Morgan Chase and Company Archives in New York City, or D, the Alexander Hamilton Museum on Nevis Island. All right, and the correct answer is C, the J.P. Morgan Chase Company and Company Archives in New York City, which means, Heather, you Smithsonian's are always a good guess when something is stored somewhere, <laughs> um, but that is not where it is. So at the moment, Heather has three points, Mel has two, Dave has one. Dave still, it looks like he's running away with this game with two questions left. Number two. How did Alexander Hamilton's son, Philip, pass away? A, during battle, B, in a duel, C, drowned at sea, or D, smallpox? Uh, 
I know the play said it was a duel, but it was actually he drowned at sea. No, I'm just kidding. You guys. Oh, are right. <laughs> I was like, you guys are all right. It's, okay, it was well, a duel. It was a duel. It was Manuel Miranda just felt like it was like more dramatic if he died in the duel. So, oddly enough, right, though, Aaron, uh, Aaron Bird's daughter Theodosia died at sea. <laughs> really. That's probably why they use that as one of the questions. Um, so we are at the final question. Unfortunately, Heather, you cannot win this game at this point, but you still get to answer the question. But Bell could lose just as badly as you. So the question is, do Mel that makes Dave you feel tie? really good. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or does Dave take it away? If Dave gets this one wrong, Mel doesn't. I, and I have no contingency plan for that. <laughs> I just call everyone winners. Um, question number nine. Which of Alexander Hamilton's family members helped raise funds to construct the Washington Monument? Is it A, his daughter Angelica, B, his son Alexander Jr., C, his wife Eliza, or D, his son John? And you guys are all right. It was Eliza. You clearly have all seen the play, but only one of you saw it and paid the most attention of where the duel happened, and that was Dave. Uh, Dave, congratulations once again. Two in a row. One of two in a row. You are the reigning James's wow. game champ. Yeah, so, I started off so poorly in James's game. I'm really coming in my own now. You're, you're jumping into it. Um, what do you guys think before we go into it? This is the first time I've done the multi-choice with the uh, box on the screen. What do you guys think? Do you like that? I do. Is that fun? Yeah. Absolutely. That's good. Let's okay. keep it going. All right. So that's it. That's James's game. That was fun. Dave kicked everybody's ass. Uh, now, now it's what we're really here to talk about. Actually, it's not. I forgot. I have my, uh, my uh, outline up. We're going to talk about Disney, and then we're going to talk about him. So a little break, talk about Disney, then we're going to talk about Hamilton. Um, so clearly Chris Brennan stopped watching the show where he just tuned it on real quick. So he did not give me updated information on what it was like actually working there. Uh, but Disney, Disney World opened today. Uh, one of the things that I had read about Disney World, which I found kind of fascinating because I was one of the people that was like, yo, we are not it shouldn't be open. It's dangerous for people to open right now. They pointed out that Disney World is not only the most popular theme park in Central Florida. It's not only the most popular theme park in North America. It's the most popular theme park in the world. And at the end of this COVID thing, at the end of the pandemic, if theme parks are going to come back at all, Disney is going to be have to be the one to learn how to do it and kind of guide that post to go forward. Uh, with that said, I don't know how much you guys have looked into the pictures right now, uh, where you can see from people going, I have a lot of friends that went to cast preview days, which are always slow as it is, but it looks really empty. Uh, one family per monorail uh, car. I mean, a lot of this stuff seems very, very complicated to do. Easy when your crowds are low, but as more people start to want to go to Disney, I think it's going to be weird. The masks don't look too disturbing at all, but I'm not standing in the middle of Florida sun telling you, you know, having to wear that mask for 10 hours. Disney. 
So my personal opinion, it looks like it's going all right right now. I think it's crazy that it's happening because Florida's numbers are just going up and up and up. But I guess if I was to trust anybody to do it, it would probably be Disney. I personally wouldn't go, but I can see why they're opening. Um, Dave, I'm going to go to you first, and then, uh, then I'll circle around. What do you think about it? What do you think about the opening? Yeah, so when we had this conversation, when we found out that Disney was about to open, uh, we had a conversation of, would we go? And at the time, I, I definitely would go. But now Florida is, you know, leading the world in positive tests right now, or at least, you know, top couple people or uh, uh, places in the world that has positive tests. And you're going to open up, you know, let thousands of people in and hang out every day at Disney. I, I definitely would not go. Now, there, what about you? What do you think? Would you go right now, right at this moment? You know, it's funny. I was like Dave before where I was like, absolutely, I would go. And now I would not go. Um, I think it's a little crazy. I'm actually shocked that they actually opened at the date that they were planning to. I was thinking they were going to have to slow it down just because of the spike they're having. Well, I think I, I thought they would too. I think a lot of it has to do too is basically from what I hear is that the Florida government basically Disney's the largest employer in the state. Well, they're like, we're just kind of, you know, we've already screwed them over on unemployment. We're not going to pay any more unemployment. So Disney, especially to their furloughed workers, so Disney basically had one or two options, either fire their entire staff and hope they get unemployment or bring them back. You know, that's from my understanding, that was a big push about it is DeSantis was like, we're not paying these guys anymore, so deal with it. Uh, Mel, would you go right now? No. I still hesitate to go to my grocery store right now. No. So you go to a Kroger like, store in Colorado. It's not I open doors with bleach wipes. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm not normally like a germaphobe about it, but I am. we have somebody in our family who's very high risk, and I'm very, very afraid of bringing that back. So I am very, very cautious. And I also know that because we are caring for this high-risk person, that means that, like, I – when we do have to go out, I am more likely to have to go. So I feel like I have to be extra cautious then because I am specifically probably going to pick something up for them. So no, I would love to go if it were just me and I didn't have any friends or family. Sure, maybe not right this second, but like a month ago, I probably would have planned to go and canceled by now. <laughs> I just, I don't want to spread it. We were supposed to be there like uh, seven days from now. Yeah. Yeah, we were leaving on like the 19th, I think, or the 17th of July, and we were going to be there like, like two weeks. Yeah. yeah. We don't mess around when we go to Disney World. Yeah, we had like um, an eight-day pass. Right. That yeah, no. We were like, we, we got a big enough pass that we could literally go from the moment we got off of the airplane to the moment we took off on our way back. We weren't going to Universal. We weren't doing anything else. It was just eight days. We were staying on site. Yeah. We were That's a lot of Disney. Yeah. Yeah. It was, was going to be like a send off. Our kids are, our youngest will be 18 next year before summer. And so it was going to be like our last, you know, kids and parents vacation. And we were going to do it big and like unlimited, you know, meal plan pictures and just, but oh well. Yeah. Next year, we're I can drive. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do the whole thing. We're going to eat. We're going to do the whole thing. Um, so Rob Robert in the chat room says he would not go. But he didn't say anything much about the COVID. He just said that he went about 30 times, got bored with him, and he's never been back since. 
I, I work there, man. I would get off of work and walk around that park. I never get bored of Disney. I, I love Disney. It's one of my favorite places to go. But uh, right now, and the other honest thing is I would not be there necessarily, and I'm so mean to my own ride. I would not be there necessarily today because the only thing open is Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom. Of the two, I would spend the day at Magic Kingdom. But that is not necessarily my jam. It's Epcot Center. I love Epcot Center. I've spent so much time at Epcot Center. It's my favorite place to go because they have food. And they used to have, like, really smart rides. Um, have any of you guys seen the pictures? I mean, have you guys seen social media about this? Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think of how the crowd looks? What do you think of your perception of what you're seeing from social media? And I'm going to go be first this time. I'm going to start with Mel, then me to Heather, then me to Dave. Mel? So, I mean, from what I've seen, you know, I'm in Disney groups where people are are going and they're uploading their own pictures of their experiences. And I mean, from what I've seen, Disney is enforcing the rules and they're really doing temperature checks. And because it's, isn't it today, like just only certain people are in or something? So Disney is set up, this is their first official day opening, but you have to have extra, I mean, you have to have signed in ahead of time and and gotten the ticket in advance because of the limited capacity thing it still looks crowded to me i'm not gonna lie maybe it's the perspective of the photos you know it's not like these are professional photos these are just people taking clips from their phones but it still looked kind of crowded it didn't look disney packed like it didn't look like a disney summer but i mean it was more people than i'm comfortable standing around for long periods of time it was more packed than it was downtown when when we went to the rally so that's that's always out that's going to be heather what do you think you, you've seen the social media posts how does it look to you does it look i haven't seen too many social media posts but i have seen a few um and i mean i agree with mel it looks like they're really doing their due diligence to try to keep people safe um i don't think it looks too bad but like i still wouldn't go if it was in denver maybe just because right. the cases are so low um, right but not in a hot spot no Dave, what about you? What do you see on social media? What, what well, are you thinking? I think that there's way more people than I thought was going to show up. I thought it would be pretty sparse, but it looks like there's a, a much uh, a big uh, need for Disney that's filling in Florida. So a lot of people are willing to risk it to go to Disney. That's, you know, they're passionate about Disney and they want to get out. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them are annual pass holders. They're really serious about it. Even working there, you see those annual pass holders coming. Like, man, we get it. You have an annual pass, but I'm looking forward to the time that I get to have, be an annual pass holder too, and I'm going to be a big dick too when I show up and feel like it's my. I already feel like it's my second home. So <laughs> when I can go there anytime I want to again, I'm going to be one of those people that drives there crazy. Um, before we go on to Hamilton, I, do, I will throw this out here and see what you guys think about it. Uh, I, I also think Disney's going to do everything in their power to do this absolutely correctly. They're going to have the mask uh, rule enforced strongly. Uh, I think they're going to do social distancing strongly. Uh, I know that they have sanitation happening all the time. That was already a big rule when I worked at Disney. Like, if you, it didn't matter who you were, if you were the CEO or uh, just a peon walking on the street, you could talk to Disney Scoop. You don't, if you see trash, there's no trash in there. People are taught to scoop. Even when I went back sometimes, I will pick trash up off of Disney's ground because it just ingrains it into you. Traditions, when you go through traditions, which is their training class, 
know we've all went through training classes. There's just something about the way they do it that you're like, yeah, I better do that constantly. So I think they're going to be really healthy. But I would say a way for Disney to bring in their full cast members back and a way for them to keep the social distancing rules going on. Uh, what if they did our, what if, what if they broke the day up into three different shifts? What if they broke it into three different eight hour segments and they run the park 24 hours a day? Cause they do, I mean, people don't understand. They don't really turn off the park at night because uh, somebody's already always working or doing something. There are selected parts of the park that lights go off on and everything at different times. But for the most part, for Janet, for custodians to do everything they want, the park's constantly running. So can it be a 24-hour operation? Could you do it in eight-hour shifts? Would you? Would that be something that you guys would want to do if you could go between like midnight and eight in the morning? Oh, hell in the yeah, middle of Florida in summer, that's like right. That's the time to go. It's not as hot. It's you know. What do you think? Hell yeah, Anybody. that'd be the that'd be my optimal time. If I could do it any time ever, it would be at midnight. Yeah, that'd be cool. But and I think it's a good business strategy. You got to keep your people in there. Uh, we'll they see. have more alcohol spots after a certain hour too. If we're going all no, no the. The rules say you can't drink between 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. I really think they should serve alcohol at the Magic Kingdom. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd do it. Yeah, I mean, because the only reason I get there so early is because it's crowded and you only have until whatever time they close that day. So I guess if I knew if it was on a 24-hour cycle and more sp spread out as far as the crowds, yeah, I'd stay later. I would not want to stay like over. <coughs> right. Maybe you want to sign up for the midnight crowd? Mm, probably not. Like a swing shift. Other... I'm a swing shift person. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I could do. I could do like the four till eight or four till midnight crowd. What about you, Heather? What do you think of a 24-hour cycling of a Disney World? You know, I think it'd be hard to do that and keep up with the sanitation that they want to be at. Yeah. I think two eight-hour cycles a day might be more uh, feasible for what they're doing, and you know. I know there's maintenance that they do overnight where it's like stuff that they can't do during the day where they have right. to shut down the ride. So I think two eight hour shifts would make sense. I know that would take away Dave's, you know, midnight to 8 a.m. shift, but um, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'll go by myself if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> have a great time. <laughs> no, I mean, I I don't know. I think maybe I'd go not in Florida. Like again, if the park was like lifted up and moved to a not hot spot for right. sure, right. but not in Florida, even if they did, well, you know, three shifts. That's the whole thing. It is. It's a very controlled environment. Disney world is a very controlled environment, but the thing is that they cannot account for is their cast members don't all live there, especially now that they don't have international program and they don't have college program kids. That means the only people that are working at Disney World are people who live in the greater Orlando area. And so they are in all of those Florida stores constantly. They are in all these grocery stores constantly. And you either have the people who already live in Florida who are annual pass holders that are coming back to do this, uh, or you have people flying in from other states or driving in from other southern states that are going through hot spots, spikes of their own at the moment. So yeah. 
you know, as, as, as close of an infrastructure that Disney World actually has, twice the size of Manhattan, they can really keep themselves independent, but you, they can't control the intake. You know, they can't control if somebody brings somebody something in, the contaminant, the biodome problem. If uh, you like your Pauly Shore movies. But enough about Disney World. We are here 216 years later to talk about Alexander Hamilton. And more so, and more directly, the play Hamilton, because it is, it's, it's a phenomenon. It's, it, uh, and it's been a phenomenon for many years now. It's, it's running on its like fifth year. It came out in 2016, I want to say, 2015. It just rocketed out there. So Dave has some interesting questions on my uh, little breakdown here. And so I'm going to start with Heather this time. Dave's first question is, what is your personal relationship with Hamilton? I found this question to be deep. So <laughs> let's see where we go. Heather, what's your personal relationship with Hamilton? My personal relationship. Um, I think if we were on Facebook, I'd have to say it's complicated. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, so I heard about Hamilton pretty early on. Um, my sister is very, very into musicals and Broadway. Um, and so she was right when the, um, she was waiting for the soundtrack to come out. Right when it came out, she was like, oh my gosh, Heather, you have to listen to this. It's amazing. Like, it's brilliant. And I was like, no, that sounds dumb. I don't want to do it. Um, and so, um, you know, I mean, I've listened to musicals my whole life because of Rachel. So sometimes I become a little dismissive. Um, <laughs> so, you know, she kept talking about it and talking about it. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Sorry. Um, and finally, my mom started listening to it. And she was like, Heather, come on. Like, you have to listen to it. And I love hip hop music. Like rap music is my jam. Um, right. So <laughs> marrying Broadway with, uh, with hip hop. Um, you know, I listened to it the first time. And I think the first time it was like, I can see it from here, you know, right. it's good. And then the second time it was like, okay, I really like it. And the third time it was like, I can't stop listening to this. Um, and I just, got really into it it sounds like it was one of those things like a siren it grabbed your sister and it grabbed your mom and now it grabbed you and it's just and that's really that's a very common story it's it's one of those things that the album really jumps out it makes me think of rent rent was one of those ones that that made its way outside of the musical theater i grew up i did musical theater i was always following musical theater but rent's album was able to transition itself out and into the general population, and that's what I think we saw happen with Hamilton. And it was really a music way before the play, way before or before seeing the visuals of it. The music is what really was drawing people in. So, um, Dave, what's your personal, what's your relationship with Hamilton? Well, I had heard it of it like right as soon as it came out originally um, on when it was an off Broadway, because Stephen Colbert got like a preview ticket to go and see it and he got on and just like gushed about how great it was and so that kind of piqued my interest and then i heard it in pop culture like it was on like the dan patrick show dan patrick wins kevin smith took his daughter to go see it i mean it's like everybody's like there's 
all seeing it, all these pop culture figures, and they're saying, hey, this is great. But it wasn't until Heather and Dante, like, really got into Hamilton, and they're like, you should listen to this. And it was with them that they're the ones that finally got me to listen to it, and I haven't stopped listening to it, really. You know, it took – yeah. I mean, I, I would listen to it all the time. Yeah, once again, like I said, uh, the good music and a well, a good ability to tell a story through music, which is one of the most impressive things about Hamilton. Take everything else out. Uh, you can tell the story because that's all that music does. And in musical theater, and I'm going to let Mel talk about it a little bit because I know she thinks that people in musical theater sing for pointless reasons and uh, pointless ways, and it does not. No. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Does not carry through, but this carries the story, and uh, where it's not a very common thing in musical theater. Mel, what's your relationship to Hamilton? And tell me why am I wrong about what I said about your? <laughs> okay, no. To clarify, my, what I said the stuff about like Broadway musicals. I'm talking about a very specific style of Broadway musical, which is uh, what's his name, Phantom of the Opera t- guy. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Thank you. His style is that when there's a story to be told and they don't use narration and they don't talk in between songs very often, it's to sing the plot of the story in one note and sometimes add some rhythm. And it's very, it's just, it's, it's kind of, I'm like, just speak it and like make it rhythmic, even bef- not necessarily rap, but you've seen people talk over music before and, and it, I just don't like it for some reason because it just feels like rushed, like you're just squeezing in narration. For, for or exposition or something. It's just, it's, it's a, I don't know. It's a pet peeve of mine. But isn't Hamilton all exi- exhibition? It is not. Exhibition. Exhibition. Exposition. <laughs> exposition, thank you. It is not. I mean, exposition. all stories, right, are technically exposition in that way. But he does it, I mean, first of all, there's this, when you do it in a rap form, instead of just adding a note, and like, I don't know how to explain that. I, I should have looked up a term. I should have known you were going to bring that up. Anyway, but when it's rap, to me, it's, it's rhythmic as well. So you're still kind of adding, you're creating still to it. I, I don't know. I don't want to sound snobby about it. But I, to me, it is a little bit different. <laughs> Just for the record. So uh, and that was that. But what's, but what's your, okay. And you, that was why I was wrong. But what's your relationship with Hamilton? How do you define your... My relationship with Hamilton, um, Colbert, I remember him bringing it up once. I, I'm assuming it's when he went to see it. And then like either late 2015 or early 2016, Puerto Rico was bringing up the idea of statehood. And I believe it was Jon Stewart had Lin-Manuel Miranda come on stage. And he did like a parody version of either My Shot or Alexander Hamilton. But it was like an advocate. It, it was advocating statehood for Puerto Rico and how, cause it's, you know, they were talking about their finances and, and being a part of the treasury. And like, it was kind of a relevant parallel to the actual story of why he wanted to create a national treasury is the point of being a state, you know? And so it was, it was an interesting parallel. That's when I heard it. And I was like, that is very different. I have never heard this before. And it just kind of rekindled. I do love musicals. I don't like Andrew Lloyd Webber. I don't know why. But I love musicals. Like I, they tend to be more. I love Fiddler, you know, Les Mis, those kinds. But this one just rekindled that whole love for musicals again. And the other thing that I loved about it is every time you listen to it, you catch a new line because it's very fast paced. And you, you know, like the third or fourth time that you sing along to a song, you start thinking about what you're really saying. You're like, did that really happen? And then you go look it up, and 
Sometimes, obviously, it's not 100% accurate. And there may have been some complicated answers along the way, but it did at least make you verify it, you know, at least for me. And I liked that part, too. It made me read the book, that Ron Chernow book. It's a long book. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that draw Hamilton to it. The answer to what you were talking about, I think it was John Oliver is who I'm going to say. Did that might, that. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was one of it those seems, comedic it seems types. very John Oliver-ish. Uh, um, my personal connection to Hamilton really, uh, the first time I saw anything of it was a performance in the White House uh, that Barack Obama and Michelle Obama had, had them, the, the actors coming and do it. I saw that little bit of it and I caught a lot of the snippets of my shot. You know, like my shot is what I hear, heard a lot of in a lot of different environments. And then mm -hmm. uh, Mel and the boys really started getting into it and it became a background noise to a certain degree for me. And I love musical theater. So I just, I enjoyed having it in the background. I enjoy that it can told, you could follow the story without seeing the visuals, which is why being able to see the movie, well, it had its ups and its downs. And I really, that whole time watching the movie on Disney Plus, I was visually looking at stage blocking and uh, basically, you know, their sets. Those were the things yeah. that I was really sold into because everyone knows the music. So I didn't have a, I didn't have a deep connection to Hamilton. Uh, but yeah, that, that would be my relationship to Hamilton was, I saw Barack Obama had them there, and the kids and Mal kind of got obsessed with it. And, yeah. and then we all started seeing musicals again, you know? It, yeah. Like, it kind of re-brought it up. And now there's a whole new, like, I've been going to see, well, I'm not going to see shows anymore, but I was going to see shows more regularly. It was fun. Yeah. Um, I think we kind of answered the second question. Was, I mean, let, let's, I mean, let me put it kind of out here. Was it the music that drew you in? Was it, was it? The music over the story that drew you in. Dave, I'll start with you. Yeah, the music was what got me into the musical. And then it, like Mel said, it made me go back and look at the actual story. Like, like many people who have listened to the show, like I had no idea. I knew Alexander Hamilton from a peanut butter commercial. And that was all I knew. And so getting to go back and like study the history. Um, and not only that, like, just to see uh, um, someone so creative like Lin-Manuel um, get out into the public and start doing the Eduham where he's bringing students in and watching Hamilton for 10 bucks, um, doing stuff like with schools and um, advocating for Puerto Rico. I mean, like his personality, not only was he this like creative genius that created this cultural phenomenon, but he is like really using his newfound popularity for good and trying to better his fellow man. So, that is what has sustained my passion for Hamilton is, you know, stuff like Lin-Manuel being such a, uh, a powerful figure now. Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely appreciate that. He truly has become this, this larger than life figure. Uh, just for fact check purposes and to be actually correct, it was a got milk commercial, not a peanut butter commercial. He needed milk to answer the question the, uh, program so I, you know, thank you for clearing I, that up <laughs> I, I didn't want the milk council to get on our asses um heather so you said the music drew you in is that what kept you in was it the music did you like the story did you like 
we all of a sudden like, yeah, I love Founding Fathers. Let me get a George Washington poster and shit. <laughs> I do. It's on the other side of the room. Um, <laughs> Dave didn't want me to show it to you guys. Um, <laughs> he's embarrassed by my passion. Um, <laughs> no, the thing that um, that I like, it's like the music is the story, right? Like, they're not separate. They're together. And... Right. Like you were saying, James, I appreciate that you can understand what the story is without seeing the musical. You know, there's so many shows that, you know, my sister made me listen to the music too, and I have no idea what it's about. Right. I don't know what's going on. I'm not. Right, you can't play Miss Saigon. You don't turn on Miss Saigon and like have any idea what's going on. Like, yeah. just <laughs> yeah. But Hamilton, you can play. Yeah. Totally. And then um, my aunt took my sister and I to New York and we got to see it on Broadway. Um, and so that kind of reinvigorated it. And then Dave and I got to see it when it was in Denver with my family as well. So I got to see it live twice, um, which was amazing. And seeing it on Broadway was unbelievable. Oh, I'm sure. Was it, well, was it, was it, uh, was it our, the, the, near the first cast? And uh, who was still in it from the original? So it was right after everyone in the first cast left. So it was um, the second cast. Dave, you'll know who Alexander Hamilton was. I don't remember. His name's like Javier or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy who played Aladdin was Jefferson, right? No? No. Well, he was in Aladdin. He played oh, the genie. genie. Um, oh, James. Oh, he was Jefferson? Uh, yeah. Uh, James something. St he has three names. Rachel would be very disappointed that I didn't remember it. Yeah, James um, right though. It's like James something Idleheart. I don't know. Um, I forget who the king was. He was. He has a, a big eyebrow. Um, <laughs> was that helpful? That's very. Um, helpful. <laughs> oh yeah, the you. big eyebrow guy. Cool. Um, no, if you saw him, you'd know what I was talking about. I'm but, sure. Um, I'm sure. I think there Eugene might have been one Levy? original person. <laughs> that yes. would have been epic. That would be great. Wouldn't that have been great to see Eugene Levy as the <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. So these so you have a second cast, so those people are not giving away their shot either. You know what I mean? It's the most popular musical. You probably have people that are trying to desperately live up to the hype of not only the show, but the people who just preceded them in their role. So I imagine they were just like intense, amazing. Yeah, it was, it was pretty fantastic. I cried nice. so much the first time I saw it. I think Rachel and I were holding hands like the whole time, like we were six years old again or something. Um, uh -huh. But we were very excited. Cool. Yeah, and uh, seeing on Broadway, we, Mel and I tried to go see Wicked on Broadway because uh, you could get tickets if you went like a lottery thing. you have to go early yeah. and yeah but you get like first and second row tickets for like 20 bucks a person so we would yeah. wait but we never got picked so we never got to see anything on broadway even though we lived well, we, in saw broadway. Of, we saw, we off saw broadway. jersey boys off broadway and everything and, and so, we saw ultra boys too we like boys yeah. <laughs> there you go um yeah no and mel i mean what are you thinking about that what like was it, was it just the music that drew you in about Hamilton? Because I think yours is a little different because you like the music, but of everybody that I know, and I'm just talking about within 
you and the kids basically who obsessed about this you picked up the book like you mm-hmm. you was it, was it just okay. the music or was it actually alexander hamilton no um well it it was the music that got me obviously because that's what i heard first and i listened to it for years before i ever saw any of it <laughs> even clips of it on youtube i i didn't want to ruin the magic and see like some kind of cell phone coverage of it you know so i was like i'll just wait until i get my chance to see what it's supposed to look like i get the story enough from the songs so it was the music that drew me in and the reason i read the book is because like i said you hear these things and i'm like did he really did he have an affair with his sister-in-law because they imply it a lot or it if you're not there and you don't see on stage how harmless it i think it was um like it comes across very confusing if you're just listening to the soundtrack with no no visuals. So there was some of that, but then also I think stories about founding fathers are complicated, and whoever is writing it is probably coming from a place of inspiration on the positive things that they've done. But I know that there's going to be things that they don't talk about, and you know, and that's I like to to know that too, so that that way I. I don't know. I just like to keep that in mind as well, I guess. Like, I don't bring it up around people. I'm like, well, actually, he was part of, you know, like, I don't do that. I think it's a great inspirational story. And if people see this version of Hamilton and it inspires them not to waste their shot, so be it. But also, if it makes them stop and look up what was real and they find out what was and wasn't true from the story or what maybe was glossed over, that's great, too. Because, I mean, that brings up awareness in its own way. So, you know, I just like to check it. I'm always curious. Somebody's gonna shit on it anyway, so I like to be prepared. <laughs> well, since you brought that up, let's let's address that real quick. It is it is being shit on to a certain degree. Yeah. Right now. Yes, a, it is. There's a pushback um, because Hamilton wasn't quite the abolitionist that he is portrayed to be in the the movie, or also- I guess the play, uh, and and slavery for a play that takes place in uh, you know the colonies. Slavery is discussed more than a play written in 1984 would have been, or yeah. 1979 would have been, but it, it is it is not an overarching part of any of the story. You know, they do give shout outs and they are really pro freeing the slaves throughout the thing, but Thomas Jefferson is, and you know what I mean? They They don't address a lot of it. There's a critique out there. People should definitely look in and read the critiques because that's how you learn everything. Is the critique fair? And if you think it's fair, is it uh, does it take away anything from the play for you, or do you not think it's fair? Since you brought it up, Mel, you get to answer that question first. Are you saying is it fair that they glossed over it, or is the criticism fair? Is the criticism fair? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, my thirteen-year-old niece loves this, you know, and I don't want her to think that everything. The problem with idolizing anyone is that then you're not able to separate their faults like just accept that he had good and bad everybody does that's okay we can talk about him we can celebrate what he succeeded in doing and you know but also like they touch on uh john lawrence i always want to say ralph (laughs) anyways john lawrence he really was an abolitionist you know and and so they talk about him like if you see hamilton had, had common interests with lawrence and they were friends but they don't necessarily imply like Alexander Hamilton did not die on the battlefield fighting against slavery, you know? So I, I think it's, he was associated with people who were talking about it. And I mean, given the time that, that it was probably the best you could hope for. I mean, I don't mean that in like an 
it, I don't know. It's a touchy subject. I'm trying I'll to see you and I'll careful. move on to Heather and make Heather have to answer this uncomfortable question. Heather, what do you think? Is it something that uh, Alexander Hamilton did not own slaves? He did sell slaves uh, when he was younger for someone else. Uh, when he was in charge, in charge of a trading charter, one of the things that you traded at that time, especially in the Bahamas, is slaves. Um, and his family, the Schuyler family, did have slaves. Uh, is the critique that they are not saying enough about it fair, or do you, uh, do you feel like it's addressed enough and not every play or not everything said in a certain time needs to be all about everything? Because they were really crappy to women too, and they kind of played that up like it was, uh, you know, the Schuyler sisters were super independent, could do whatever the hell they want, and they were like talking down to men, which, you know, just weren't having. What's your What's your thought on that, Heather? Well, that was a lot, James. Yeah, um, so let I, me, I do that. <laughs> let me try to unpack this. Okay. Um, <laughs> so first off, I think that the criticism is fair. It happened. It's real, right? I mean, it's fair to criticize that not everything is in there. Is it realistic to paint the portrait exactly how it was? Um, no, people aren't going to be into it. It's not going to feel relevant. So I think you have to understand that there's some um, artistic creativity that happens, you know, some, some lines that get moved um, to make it feel relevant, you know. I don't want to see slaves in a musical like that, and maybe that's tone deaf of me to say, but I don't know. I don't want to see it. I know what happened back then, right? right. Like, I want to be entertained, if that right. makes sense. And it wasn't a direct point of, there was nothing that at least documented in what we have written about Hamilton, where he was guided by the slavery wasn't something that needed to be addressed. It wasn't something that he discussed on his, in his regular, regular life. He doesn't have a great story about going on magic on the walks. He, he, there was nothing already in the story that connected it to that. Now, a lot of other people, Jefferson, they put that out there as well. Uh, but they didn't shy away from that. They didn't dwell on it with Jefferson, but they didn't shy away from the South. Like, we know who's doing, who's really planting. doing the work in the field, who's yeah. doing the planting. You know, it wasn't something that was shied away from. Um, but they also, like, the closest they got to pointing out, like, Washington, you know, all he said is, I'm from Virginia, too, at one point to Alexander Hamilton, and that was kind of it, and I think, like, that was an all-encompassing, I'm, I'm them, too, kind of a comment, sure. but, but, like, I mean, I, I get what Heather said, it's, yeah, it's, it's, again, very touchy, and I don't mean this in an insensitive way, I just don't think it was the point of that story, and it wasn't being, right now, I could see why, if you wrote this now, people would be like, hey, you should have included this complicated, messy part, you know, but in 2015, I think it was in a different headspace, and, you know, I mean, the point is, he saw, he had a vision of what he could do to create some security for this country, and, you know, he fought for that, and he passionately fought for it, and he's an imperfect person, and he suffered. The story doesn't say that he lived happily ever after. I mean, look it up. He does not live happily ever after. He loses his son. Spoiler alert, he's shot at the end, right? So it's not, it's not like, and then everything worked out perfect for him because he was a perfect person. And I think that's an okay thing to acknowledge, 
you know, without. Well, let me ask you guys, let me ask you both. Yeah, I'll save you from part of this. Dave's going to have to deal with that in a second. But I'm going to have you sit out just a little longer, Dave, on this because I want Take your time. Both of our... Take your time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a coach. Dave, yeah, I'm making us answer all these really hard. I know. And Dave doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to jump in the questions. He's sitting back. Um, I'll let the smart people talk. That's how you, right. <laughs> that's how you get places in this business. <laughs> um, my question are, are to both ladies out there. So let's discuss something that was a prominent part of this play that do you feel was representative of where women were based in the colonies? I mean, the Schuyler sisters uh, through this whole thing are shown to be like powerhouses, strong, independent women that can kind of do what they want. They had to follow certain rules, but they were strong. Do you think that's a fair representation of probably what women had to go through at that time? Are they you think they're realistic versions of women and their relationships with men at that time? Do you think of that? Because that's part of the play. That's a huge part of the play. So I'll start. No, I don't think it's an accurate representation, but like, I think that the women in that time were strong, but it looked different than what we envision a strong woman to be now. And so in the musical, they show women kind of in the sense of strong as we see it now. So um, talking about political issues, being independent, going out by themselves, like that sort of thing. Um, So I think it was kind of skewed a little bit to what we see strong women as now, just so that we could relate to it more. I am not going to relate to what a strong woman looks like 200 years ago because we're very, very different people. Great answer. No? That's exactly what I was going to say is, you know, their strength in that is a metaphor. That's a great answer too. No. <laughs> right? I, that's, it's always my favorite answer. I would, what they said. No. But I was, I was just, it's like a metaphor. Their behavior now is a metaphor for what was considered progressive back then, you know, on a lot of topics. And yeah, the women, I don't know, because they do, they, they acknowledge that Sky, or, oh, gosh, Superstone, Angelica, no, Angelica has to, you know, marry a certain kind of person. Yeah, Peggy, I don't know why she, she just kind of disappears. And then she shows up later as Mariah Reynolds for some reason. And that's another one. Mariah Reynolds is a more accurate portrayal of of women back then. (laughs) (laughs) That, I was like, oh, but, yeah, but I don't think you can do this and and make people feel inspired by the positive of it if you focus on how they treated the on how women were treated at that time. Much like a lot of other groups, you know, it, it it's a downer to the story and it distracts from the main inspiration. And that we, wasn't the we, point of the story. We helped the French and we treated them like shit too. So it was. I mean, there's a or the French helped us and we treated them like shit. So. Yeah, there, there's a whole lot of shit treating. Um, we're going to go to fun things, but oh, wait, first, Dave wait, has a... There was uh, another thing about it that was inaccurate. Okay. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, so there's this other com- complaint from historians specifically. We're saying that they're very surprised that there's been this big phenomenon amongst the culture right now with Hamilton because of the fact that, I mean, like what he was talking about creating a Federal Reserve, it's big banks. It's 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 exactly the opposite of what we're out, you know, kind of protesting against right now. And they don't understand the correlation or why people aren't talking about that. 
but that actually in real life, he's a bit more of a one percenter in his attitude towards, towards finances. So they're, they're mystified as to why we all are still appealed to a story, even though what he wanted was giant, giant, rich people. And, you know, I mean, Jefferson was the one worried about farmers and rations and stuff. So just another thing to look up and see what you think about it yourself. Interesting. I still think the story as it's told right now is perfect. It's what I need. I listen to my shot all the time when I need a boost. So. I, I like, I like the, the idea of the perfect all time. Uh, I'm interested in the, the question, it may, but it makes sense. The listen, like founding fathers are both progressive and extremely conservative because things that we may find extremely conservative right now were progressive for the times mm -hmm. that they were going through. And so, yeah. um, but before we, while we're still on this touchy political subject, before we ask more about the play and everything in general, Dave, as a straight white male, would you like to jump in on any of this? I will happily decline. <laughs> no. You no, didn't give us it, the option. <laughs> no. That was no. sexist of me. I'm sorry. Right? So I totally agree with what the women said about the female parts. So I will completely agree with that. I will not change that for anything. Um, is the criticism fair? Yes, it's fair. It's still pretty close to a perfect musical. Um, but like Mel said, hopefully it inspires people to actually go and look up the story. So I mean, yeah. think about Sound of Music. You told the, the story about, like, yeah. you know, they climb the Alps at the end of the movie to escape the Nazis. They didn't. There's a train, the train in their goes backyard. through their backyard in the real world. Yeah, I've been so, there. I've been to their house. <laughs> you know, People take artistic liberty when they when they need a story to finish right. You're right; it's a perfect musical, and and that's what it was. It wasn't supposed to be a, a documentary, but inspired you to go and actually look at the history because yep. you don't you didn't know the story beforehand. Nope, not at all. I think that goes back to our ability to uh, not have discussions in town halls like we used to in, anymore. It's on the internet; it's much coarser. If uh, you went to see this play with your friends if we didn't have this internet outlet and we were just talking so we had more statues i'm just kidding we had more statues. <laughs> uh, i think if we talk face to face people would talk about all that kind of stuff but i think because we have the internet all these things are fair critiques all these things should absolutely be discussed and everything but i think because of how the internet's set up it, it becomes this level deal that doesn't always make sense to me. you know like oh this is you're this way if it, the judging of strangers is usually where my biggest problem comes on, on that. Um, but it is a phenomenon. There's no denying that what Hamilton has done is, is huge. And it hasn't been seen. Uh, a phenomenon like that hasn't been seen in a while. I think, Dave, you even asked if, uh, if it will ever happen again or if it's happened before. So I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to answer this one first. I think it's happened before. Phantom was huge. You know, I think Phantom would have moved out into uh, movies a lot better than it did if it was able to do it when it was still at its height. Rent, Rent for me in 97 was huge. Rent was, Rent is the first one that I definitely believe the music transitioned into popular music at the time. Rent from 95 to like 99 is really strong. I think you could argue that those are as much of a phenomenon as Hamilton is. And will it happen again? Yeah. If plays remain the way they are right now, I, I, I can't tell you what it's going to be at the end, but they will become 
the danger is that they could become farther and fewer between because of the rise of the internet, or there could it could happen more because of the rise of the internet. Because comparing Hamilton right now to Lint in '97, where the way you knew that music is you had to buy a CD, the way you went out and did that, the, the levels that people had to go to listen to Phantom or to Les Mes, very popular things before they could just download it on their iPads. I don't know. I would say uh, my argument would be like there were plays that were as phenomenal as Hamilton is in its time, and I think absolutely there will there will be again. But I'll it over to you, Dave. Am I right? Am I wrong? What's your opinion? I say eventually there will be something that will be equal in popularity. Um, but the reason why. Rent and Phantom were so popular and transcended into pop culture was because they changed musicals. They did something different and people gravitated to that. And then Lynn introduced rap as a storytelling technique in Hamilton and people were drawn to that. So whoever is coming to, gonna come up with the next phenomenon needs to figure out how they're gonna do something differently, how they're gonna take, uh, how they're gonna use their shot if you will, to, you know, change up the game again. And if you just keep doing just regular musicals, then I have a feeling that there won't be a big phenomenon, but somebody, it's going to take somebody who is uh, taking a chance. Yeah, I, and I think, well, and for that, uh, I'm going to run over to Melody because I know that you think there are some musicals out there that you're a big fan of that you want to probably give a shout out to uh, – that don't have the same kind of hype, but in the right audience, they, they might. And I'm thinking right now of Six. Oh, Six, the musical. I haven't even seen it, and I know it's great. And there's only like eight songs on the soundtrack. It's great. I want to plug it right now. It's great. It's hilarious. It's about Henry VIII's ex-wives. They have songs called things like Don't Lose Your Head, Divorced, Married, Died. Like, they're hilarious. It's very cynical and dark. Love it. Um, and there's some clips on YouTube of some different performances from the actresses that you can catch. You don't really need the context. It's Henry VIII, you know, all his wives, the end. But it's very clever music. Oh, and they have this great techno song with these German girls who were like, they're like talking about how all the makeup regimen that they used to do and like squeezing your waist in and it's just hilarious. It's just great. But um, yeah, no, it's sorry. There were, it's, it's been... As far as it becoming a phenomenon, has it ever happened before? Of course. I mean, Grease, I looked it up actually. Sorry, it's kind of cheating. Grease was the number one selling musical soundtrack of all time. So it's obviously happened before. And followed behind that is Lion King, which I'm surprised you didn't bring up, and Frozen. So Hamilton isn't even in there as one of the sales things yet, as far as what I'm seeing, unless it's an outdated list. I consider Disney movies cheats for Broadway no, musicals. No, because they, they are. No, well, did it have to be Broadway? They're cheats. They're cheats. They're, they're cheats. No, they, but I, you just I, said musicals. Yeah, I'm making the rules on this conversation. Okay, well, if we're, if we're moving the goalposts, it still yes. happened before, as we've Goal acknowledged. Goalposts are moved. Okay, okay, as long as you can't acknowledge it's happened. Yeah, no, I moved it. <laughs> they, they don't, they don't count. Um, yeah, because yeah, the Frozen is just as phenomenal as Hamilton. That's something about Disney being counted as a musical. Okay, we're excluding Disney. Fine. Yeah. Heather, what do you yes. think? Are you going to... Are you going to see this in the future? Are we going to see another Hamilton-type phenomenon in the musical theater? So, yes. So going back to, um, you know, if there's ever been anything like it, you know, I would 
agree with what you guys said, but also disagree. So I would say yes, but no. Um, so Rent absolutely changed the way of the musical, right? It, it really shaped the modern musical um, right. and showed that you can have different types of music in a musical rather than just show tunes. Um, it really changed the game. But I think the difference between Hamilton and Rent is that Hamilton was able to bring in people who have never been into musicals, people who never would go and see live theater. And it brought them in because the music was different. The cast, you know, looked different than your regular musical. Um, there, it just, it brought in so many more people than I think has ever been brought into, into the scene just because of how he did it. And yeah, I think, I mean, there's always going to be the next thing, right? right. Um, who knows what it's going to look like? Who knows when it's going right. to be? But definitely there will be the next great musical that, that happens. Right. You know, I've yeah. said this many times uh, since we started going into quarantine is that uh, for all the, the horrors that are going on in the world, there's going to be an explosion of creativity once people start coming out of their houses. And so I have a feeling that the next big thing is being crafted on in somebody's little apartment or maybe somebody's little uh, writing room. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the next great thing is there's going to be such an explosion. Like, look at the Black Death. The, the Renaissance came after the Black Death. And I think we're ready for a creative explosion once we start coming out. Yeah, I, well, yeah. People given the opportunity to be creative are generally creative, and we usually get really good things. Which brings us into the good uh, final question on the Hamilton thing. But I'm going to change it up a little bit because, Dave, what you wrote here is what should Lynn do next? That dude's doing shit all the time. Like, he is helping right now. We've done the Hall of Presidents at uh, Disney World, they have, they're having him come in and trying to make it more, uh, less political, he, which to not focus on, not less partisan, I guess, you know, because before uh, Bill Clinton did the recording for the Hall of Presidents, it never focused on the current president. He was just one of the dudes in the Hall of Presidents, you know what I mean? He, it was basically Lincoln and the neat thing was everybody was on stage at the same time. But Bill Clinton recorded it, and then George Bush recorded it, and then Barack Obama recorded it, and then Donald Trump reluctantly recorded his, and they used the Hillary statue and just put his hair on it. Um, but so that's what he's doing. Lynn's working with he's he's working with Disney. He's all over the place with Disney. So I thought what would be more fun than that, than what Lynn should do next. And if you got something in mind, you can tell me. But my question to you guys is, what historical figure are you guys sitting around and going, shit, man, why doesn't that fool have their own musical? Now, Mel already brought up Henry VIII that already has a musical. What historical figure, and I'll broaden out slightly because like Titanic, it was actually a musical. It's not a bad musical. I actually saw that one in the theater. It's not a great musical. Um, so what historical figure or event is dying to have its own musical and we can say live in Rome? And, and what kind of music are you going to play with it? Where, so give me, pitch me something. And I will start with Dave because he seemed the most excited about it. No, I'm the last person <laughs> you should ask for on this one. So I, I had a whole setup 
to answer that question of what Lynn should do next. Because I think <laughs> Lynn should do a... You, you even shit on my, my answer earlier. Like two minutes ago, you shit on my answer. But I think Lin-Manuel should do a Moana on, his, on Broadway. But if he's right. not going to do a Moana for Broadway, I think he should do... I did Man- shit on your answer about Disney. Well, sorry about that. That's funny. <laughs> Disney doesn't count. Uh, I said it before, and this is a really left field uh, answer. Um, Theodore Roosevelt went on this crazy expedition in the Amazon forest where he almost died. Um, they were hunted by cannibals. Um, people like there's murder on here and like, and Theodore, like I said, almost died on, on this trek. And this is after he was president. This is like, imagine like Barack Obama going into the middle of the Amazon rainforest and coming out 30 days later surviving cannibals i mean this is a true fucking story that needs to be told that hardly anybody knows about and nice. i think um the story is super interesting i know lynn or anybody on broadway can spin that into a good tale and you definitely need some sort of latin music because that's the heart of the copacabana that would be interesting give me a name of a song <laughs> i almost got eaten by cannibals there you, okay, okay, that's a fair one. The love song. Yes, the, it's a love song. Oh. The cannibals ate my heart. <laughs> it would probably don't eat my heart, hold it. You know things like that. Um, Heather, what about you? What do What do you think that uh, you could answer the what would Lynn do question? Because I, I stole a bunch of stuff from Dave on that by clearly changing his outline. Or you can answer the what historical person or place needs their own musical or you can answer both (laughs) (laughs) again that was a lot so let's unpack it um no so as far as what should the next one be i'm really not a good person to ask that i am not really into history a lot um so i don't know any many cool stories um I would say, I mean, because I'm into baking, I would say there's this really amazing um, baker, but I don't know much about her, but I think she would make a wonderful musical. Um, but about what Lynn should do next. So the thing about Lynn is he's very like, he could literally do anything. If you look at what he did before, he did In the Heights, but he also did the Bring It On musical, right? Um, nice. so I didn't I know think, that, that's cool. Um, I think he could do anything. I think the great thing about him is whatever he puts his mind to, he'll achieve and he'll create what's never been created before. Um, So I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do next, but I'm excited to see it. So yeah, he's, he's one of those people that does do impressive stuff. I like the idea of a baker because once you said that, what I would see, uh, is like especially if you spend a lot of time in the kitchen. Is it's a very stomp-based musical because kitchens have all the kind of stuff that you can kind of bang around, and if, it, if it's played well, you can. Uh, it's like Ratatouille the, the musical, right there. Ratatouille. <laughs> no, the Disney doesn't count. I'm with Disney you, Dave. James shit on my Disney stuff too today. <laughs> I'm a Disney guy. It's weird. No, it's you're not. We're just saying. <laughs> not today. Right? Yeah, clearly not, guys. Clearly not. <laughs> Mel, what about you? What what should Lynn do next? And tell me something uh, historical. 
or a historical person that deserves their own musical? I don't know what Lynn should be next, really. I mean, like, I, you know, like Heather said, he can almost do no wrong, really, right now. He's on a roll. So part of me says whatever he feels inspired to do next would be the best thing to, to you know, suggest. But, you know, at the same time, like, he's working nonstop, and uh, maybe he should take a break, you know, like Hamilton, little story there. And uh, spend some time. I believe he has a young kid. I hope he gets to spend some time doing that and gets a new inspiration. Um, an interesting historical question or story. I don't. I don't really. Uh, that's a tough one. I wasn't prepared to even think about that. To be fair, but when Dave said, uh, you know, maybe some Latin music, and this would not have to be a Lin Manuel project specifically. Um, but there is an, a singer by the name of Yuma Sumac. She's Peruvian. And um, she has the world's widest natural voice vocal range, lowest to highest, like the widest band, more higher than Mariah Carey. She's just she's incredibly wide range, and she can do this thing. It's technically considered singing two notes at once. It's really kind of toggling between the two very quickly, but it's amazing. And she can do these like bird sounds and stuff. And she was like, I think from the 40s, maybe the 50s. She was a fascinating woman, and she was kind of problematic for the people of Peru also because she did this. You know, some people felt like, hey, quit being this stereotype of us for, you know, these white people. I feel like there could be a story there, obviously, because she's a singer. There's some great music already built in, um, and I'd like to see, you know, more about that. That'd be neat. Interesting. Yeah, and they, that already has a preset of music on there. Yeah. Um, I would say that what led you do next, I think working with Disney is a perfect place for Miranda. I think he should continue working in that environment. I think it's really useful for him. Um, I think the next person or, or event that should have a musical would be like Jane Goodall, which would be funny if it's just her in the middle <laughs> of the jungle by herself, just taking notes and like gorillas dancing around her. Which, <laughs> I don't know, there's just something great about that. And so either that or Tesla, Tesla's always fun. Tesla, I think there can always be more things about Tesla. Um, but unfortunately, whenever I bring in uh, Edison in the Tesla story, I think back to that stupid Bob's Burgers episode I have seen a thousand times uh, where they talk about killing the uh, elephant. So, I want to pause right um, there. Today is Tesla's birthday. Wow. That's and Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr's death anniversary, dual anniversary. Yes. <laughs> or does Tesla, what day is today? I have no idea what today is. The 11th. But Tesla's, okay, so Tesla's birthday was yesterday. So happy birthday, oh, okay. a day late. Belated birthday. He's dead. He don't give a fuck. Oh, yeah. A lot of things happen in June. Well, guys, so thank you for coming out. Our, it's July. Damn, man. I think we're this still in March. My, I've been, at, I've been <laughs> locked up in my house since March, dude. If you wonder why we have to go on a summer vacation, this is why we need to go on a summer vacation. Because from beginning to end, it was uh, we just don't know what month it is. I forgot the name of the show. And it's not because I get high. Because I high a lot so yeah um with that said we are taking a little bit of time off um i would like to thank everyone who showed up today heather it was so nice having you on the show because i, I watched your show with the you and melody did it was, it was wonderful 
I, I hope you come on this show more often because uh, it was a lot of fun having you on. Thank you guys so much. I had a blast being here. Thank you so much. Melody, I'm so glad that you were no longer Nancy and I can address you as your name, but now I've messed up because when I see you in real life, I know you're Melody, but when I look at you on a camera, you're Nancy, but you're still Melody. I'm, I'm messing Which with you. But... When I was Nancy, you had a hard time remembering not to call me Melody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't, we did a lot, like, but that's because we were on a speaker. We were talking, you were all in the same place talking on the mic, so I was looking for mm. you. We were talking about this earlier, Dave and Heather and I, about interacting with people next to you versus on camera. But thank you for being a guest as many times of you as you have been this season uh, to help us out to co-host with it. Thank you for hosting the Lady Show. That was super exciting. We're looking forward to that music thing that we've talked about for a few months. I'm sure it's coming down the pipeline. I'm really excited about that. Uh, Dave, man, Dave, what do you, I know you got something to say before we zoom into summer break. I know you have something that you had written down that I was going to steal the thunder of. So what do you got? Well, so since we're plugging our shit, I have my COVID-19 short story available on Amazon called Quarantine. I have my next Race Through Space book coming out probably by the time uh, we have our next episode, uh, which is going to be our one-year anniversary episode. So, uh, you know, pay attention to that. Uh, I'm going to finish up the Race Through Space read-along podcast uh, over our break. And uh, like I said, hopefully my next book will be out by the time we have our next show. There you go. Well, Dave, this has been a really fun year. I got to ask you guys all a question because I watched John Oliver and Trevor Noah talk about this at one point. When one of us is talking, do you guys look down at your screen at that person like you're giving them attention? Like you're like, oh yes, James is saying something right now. So you're looking at their camera and everything. hundred percent. I, I when, do that. And then I worry about doing that. So then I start going to all four and then I look <laughs> up at the camera. I'm like, am I supposed to be like a newscaster and sit like this and just go. Right. <laughs> right. But but yeah, I was, I'm feeling I was, it out still. <laughs> I'm working on, I, because I watched him say it and they were like, cause sometimes like when I'm talking to you guys, I'm looking at you guys and then, like, I keep hearing Trevor Noah's head in my head, or my voice in my head, John Oliver, he's like, you look like an old man trying to figure out a computer by not looking into the camera. So this whole time, and it's probably why I forgot things like the name of the show and everything, I've been consciously telling myself, I'm like, look into the camera. Don't look at them when you're talking to them, because they can't know that you're talking or looking at them. So, <sighs> yeah, that, my brain was everywhere. But guys, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. I'm gonna do the plugs. I know Dave was worried that I didn't have the plugs out yet. It's right here. Here is the quick plugs. Do do do. If you want to, if you want to talk to us on Facebook, go to at Mile High Podcast P O T C A S T and at Trucky Pacific. You can reach us at both of those locations. On Instagram, we are at Mile High Podcast, and on Twitter, we are at at High Podcast, and our email is the High Podcast at gmail.com and Trucky Pacific at gmail.com. I may have gotten those wrong, I don't think I did. Nailed it. I read them, nailed it. I nailed and it. you really accentuated that T in podcast. Perfect. Yes, I mumble, I mumble sometimes, so my T's sound like D's, and I'm aware of that. Um, but the most important thing, we like your money. 
Are, are any of us checking our Venmo? Do we keep telling people to go there? Yeah, I'm, then... I'm checking, okay. and it's uh, disappointing. Every time I okay. go in there, I'm disappointed. I just stop disappointing like, me. Give me some money. Come on. Yeah, give us money. This is how we, this is how we do the things that we do. This is how you pay for my house, as you can see. He does really melody right now. Yes, look at it. It is bright all the time. It is 8 o'clock at night, and it's bright in that uh, area. But give us the Venmo money, Venmo money at, at Mile High Podcast and at Trucky Pacific. Uh, that's it, guys. We will be planning some neat things going into the new season. Maybe you may see us a couple times a week on the off season on much smaller things. But thank you to my guests. Thank you to all the fans. Thank you to everybody this whole season from Tony P all the way down to Heather showing up from our first guest to our very special last guest. We're very excited. We hope to see all of you next year uh, or next season, whatever you call it. See you in a few weeks. Enjoy your summer. Good night. This has been a Truckee Pacific production. For sponsorship inquiries and comments, go to the Mile High Podcast at gmail.com.